Welcome to the Sword and Trial podcast. The Sword and Trial is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. We're delighted to have you join us again today for this weekly podcast, and we're excited to introduce to you our special guest in just a few moments. But before we do that, we want to remind you that we have the 2024 Founders Conference scheduled for January of next year, and we're going to be addressing the theme of remembering Jesus Christ, the supremacy of Christ. It's uh, something that we can take for granted if we're not careful, and the Scripture warns us not to do so, but to not assume, but remember Christ intentionally and thoughtfully. So we're going to be doing that. Got folks coming in to help lead us and instructing us on this theme, and there is still an early bird registration rate that you can take advantage of up through the end of April. So we encourage you to join us here in sunny South West Florida in the middle of the winter, January 2024. We will have all of our hurricanes done and over with by then, so you should be safe. Yeah, you know, we still probably have remnants of Hurricane Ian then that you can see, (laughs) so, uh, you know, you might want to come down and, and take advantage of that as well. Well, today we're delighted to welcome to the podcast uh, Luke Griffo, who is the author of a new book from Founders Press, The Beauty of the Binary, Male and Female, He Created Them. Uh, Luke, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, guys. It's uh, really nice to be on with you. Yeah, this book is uh, as timely a book as anything we've published in uh, the last several years because it addresses an issue that our culture is increasingly confused on and that is pressing in in ways that has even uh, uh, almost paralyzed certain Christians and Christian institutions and not knowing what to do with all all this gender ideology. And and Luke, uh, we are grateful for the labor that you put into this book. We know it was a labor of love, and yet it was a labor. And we have started shipping these already. They're not long off the press, but you can still get them for the next week after this podcast drops, so through the end of March. uh, I guess it's uh, through April 1st, or I think that's right, through April 4th, you can still get this book for the discounted rate of $14.98. It's not $15, it's $14.98. That is to trick you into thinking you're getting a really good deal and it's not expensive. So we want you to order the book and uh, take advantage of it. So Luke, welcome, man. We're glad to have you. Start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, about your family, uh, what you're doing, and uh, then we'll get into how you brought this book into being. Yeah, so um, I'm an elder at Redeemer Church of South Hills up here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, not quite sunny southwest Florida, but um, (laughs) we were privileged to be down there in January. My wife actually lived in Fort Myers for several years before we got married, so she loves coming down to to the conferences, but um, yeah, I live up here with my wife. We adopted twin toddlers last year, so it's been a very busy family life, um, always busy laboring in the mm-hmm. church, and you know started writing the book um, a little over, gosh, almost two years, over two years ago. Started working on the book and just thankful to uh, founders and to you guys for you know bringing it uh, to a place where it can hopefully get into a lot of people's hands. Yeah. So tell us why. Why did you start writing this book? Somebody suggested to you it was something that was just burning inside of you. Why did you do do it? So about uh, a little over those uh, two years ago, I listened to 
Oh, the name of the book has escaped me right now. Irreversible Damage by oh, Abigail yeah. Schreier, if you've heard of that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've certainly heard of transgenderism before, but it, I don't think at that time in early 2021, it was as much in like the forefront of the culture war as it is now. And so that book was kind of the first introduction to me of the kinds of processes that go into transgenderism and the medical procedures and the way that young people especially get kind of sucked into this ideology through social media. Mm. And as I was listening through that book, I found myself, you know, very grieved and prompted to address it because she was addressing it really well, the author of that book, but it wasn't quite from a Christian worldview. And I just found myself thinking the whole time that we need a thoroughly biblical response to transgenderism that's not just about the biology or the, or the sociology, but that is really grounded in biblical anthropology, mm. the fact that God created male and female, and not just the fact that he created them, but that he did it uh, that it's very good that he created male and female. And I think that that's something that at least I thought was perhaps missing from the transgenderism conversation, the goodness mm-hmm. of male and female. So that's what got me started writing the book. Have uh, Graham, either you or Luke, have you guys seen uh, the Matt Walsh, Walsh video, What mm-hmm. is a Woman? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Watch that. I mean, I, I found that fascinating and helpful in so many ways uh, just to show the lunacy of the uh, transgender ideology that is going uh, on today and rampant in the West. But when he goes to uh, uh, people in Africa and asks them, they just laugh at the yeah. question. You know, you, you, of course we know what a woman is, you know, we know what a man is. But the thing that's, that's missing in uh, that video, which is very well done, is it doesn't have exactly what you're talking about. It doesn't talk about, no, in the beginning God did this and he did it for good design and purpose, and it is good. Mm-hmm. And so you take that up and you try to develop that. I mean, you, you address the Trinity and the, uh, the unity of God, oneness of God and, and the, the interpersonal relationships of the father, son, the spirit as God making us in his image with that same design, male and female. So is this something that, uh, I mean, you've been an elder at your church and your dad's a pastor. So you were raised in a home where you were taught mm-hmm. the word of God. I mean, how, how is it that you, came to recognize, okay, you know, these ideologies are rampant and they're just missing the fundamental basics of the scripture. Things that probably for all your life you heard, I'm assuming, you know, that you were taught Mm -hmm. this. And so it just sounds like a foreign language to people who've grown up this way. So how, how did you take all that and say, okay, we need to get back to the basics and say things that maybe in your circles, our circles, we would want to just say, duh, you know, of course, doesn't everybody believe this, but nobody's, you know, it's getting lost today. Right. Well, in my mind, when I started writing the book, it was really intended. I was, you know, just simply trying to provide a resource for my family. I have almost a dozen nieces and or over a dozen nieces and nephews. And, you know, so I was just trying to provide a resource for them and for my church, because I think that the default that conservatives and Christians kind of fall into is just, you know, the sort of facts don't care about your feelings. You know, it's all about chromosomes and biology and you know so we should just address it that way and even uh, I had some people when I told them that I was working on a book like this 
uh, I got almost exactly the uh, the response that you mentioned, Dr. Askell, that the sort of, you know, well, why do we even need to address this? It's so ridiculous. You know, why even dignify it with a response? But I think that the way that transgenderism has really caught on in our culture I believe has really proved what a lot of Christians have been saying for a long time, that there really is no neutrality Mm -hmm. and you can't try to combat this ideology from a neutral standpoint of saying, Hey, let's just look at the biological facts. Because once you've denied male and female, you've denied biological fact or any sort of neutral ground. So that was my thinking behind it, that, you know, you're going against this, uh, ideology. If you're just using kind of the basic biological facts, I mean, they've already denied the most obvious ones. You need to get deeper. And I think that if you listen to people caught up in transgenderism and in that movement, there is so much that is kind of religious and spiritual about it. I mean, it really is that sort of body soul, soul dualism. My, my soul, my inner self is not lined up with who I am on the outside. And so I think it really needs to be addressed from a very thoroughly biblical worldview, uh, from a religious standpoint and not just looking at the, you know, quote unquote, neutral facts. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about how many conservatives and many Christians just want to address it from a, just from the, the plain facts. And I'm struck by the the title of the book, it's, it's, it implies that not just the fact that there is a binary, which is what, how we always want to argue that it is. And it, it is not even just saying that there's a binary and it's good, but that the binary is beautiful. Mm. And that's one thing I think that many conservatives and many Christians, many evangelicals have lost is this idea of beauty. And it's, it's, not only is it what God calls us to, God himself, who is beauty itself, calls us to himself, calls us to beauty, and we should desire beauty. And so we want to see the beauty in the things that he's made because it's a reflection of who he is. Uh, it's true and was something that we should pursue, but it also is powerful rhetorically. Like you, you can argue all day long about the facts that, yeah, there's a binary and the bio, biological realities are there. Um, but if you can show someone that, it's there and it's beautiful. I mean, you want people to want to believe you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's mm-hmm. that's the most powerful way to address um, a contentious issue, I think. Um, so I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that you've, you've decided to pursue it from this perspective. Because like you said, there's so much out there. You know, Matt Walsh's documentary is wonderful mm-hmm. and it's helpful. Uh, but it doesn't address it from this perspective. And so I'm grateful that you've done it in this way. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it is so well done, and it comes back to these fundamental realities that I've found myself over the last four or five years uh, just trying to hammer. I don't think we can assume it any longer, that there is mm-hmm. a God in heaven. He has created this world. Uh, it is his world. He's created everything in it, and things are what he says they are. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm really a woman stuck in a man's body. Well, uh, that's I'm being true to myself. Well, no, you're not. You're living in in a a delusional world because the real world, God says that you're a man in a man's body. And Mm -hmm. we just have lost that. And Christians seem intimidated to argue that way. It's like, gosh, we're we're being cruel or we're not being sensitive if we look at someone who says, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body uh, and tell them, no, you're not. 
It just, that sounds, mm-hmm. you know, you're killing me. You're literally killing me. All those kinds of responses, it, it puts Christians back on their heels. And I, the most loving thing we can do is help people know the truth. Yeah. And uh, they, you don't have to be a, a jerk about it. And, and this book, I mean, it's very positive and it, it's very pastoral. It's not a book that beats people over the heads. Uh, this is the kind of book you could give to anyone if they're caught up in that misunderstanding or uh, any pastor, any Christian, just to help them think and to be armed about these realities. So I'm especially appreciative of that fact that you just say, look, let's just ask what God says. Let's, let's try to get in touch with reality based upon the God of reality. And here's what he's revealed to us. So it's very, very helpful in all those ways. Right. And I think, um, Graham, you mentioned the point that, you know, the, the fact of, it is beautiful and Christians can't be afraid to speak in that kind of language. I think the way that transgenderism kind of gets a lot of people even to be sympathetic towards it, because people sort of instinctively know this is wrong. This, you know, this is not reality, but a lot of people become sympathetic to it because transgenderism speaks in that language of, you know, well, this is, you know, I've, I've never felt more comfortable in my own skin. Like I finally am who I know I was meant to be. And it sort of spins this false narrative in the language of, you know, beauty and abstraction. And so when we exclusively focus on, you know, just the external facts, we miss that whole spectrum of language where we can really communicate a beautiful worldview that God created men and women different and men and women glorify God differently from one another. Uh, We reflect different aspects of God's character. And I think that's something that Christians can't be afraid to bring to the conversation. And, you know, I, I would hope that it's the kind of book that you can give to somebody who's struggling with these issues. You know, you want it to be not to tear people down, so to speak, but to encourage them to live a truly fulfilled and beautiful life as an image bearer of God, the way that God made them. Mm -hmm. And there are people in my life who I love dearly, who have, you know, uh, struggled from time to time with, you know, various aspects of the LGBTQ ideology and those identities. And I've heard from them that this book has, you know, resonated with them and been helpful. And so, you know, I'm very thankful for that and and hope that it's something that, you know, people who are actually in that world struggling can, you know, can, uh, can find helpful. Yeah. I believe that they will, if they'll give it an honest read and, um, as believers, we need to understand in, in contending for the truth, we are up against uh, some severe odds in terms of the, the cultural kind of zeitgeist right now and what, what everyone is saying and doing. Whenever you have Mayo Clinic and the Vanderbilt medical system and other places being willing to mutilate the bodies of children in order to satisfy this sense of inner identity that is contrary to my biological reality. Uh, We're not talking about just some kind of little small movement in the culture. We're talking about Mm -hmm. something that now is raking in millions and millions of dollars, and there's all kinds of special interests that are pushing this and destroying lives. 
Well, think of the uh, formative cultural institutions and how many of them have not f- almost fully bought into this. I mean, medical institutions, governmental yeah. authorities and jurisdictions, uh, Hollywood and entertainment, news media, basically all have bought into this. So it's not, yeah, it's not just a fringe thing any longer. It's something that's really taken over our culture, taken over our society. And I think as uh, society and as individuals rebel and continue in their rebellion against God, uh, not only do, do they do that which is wicked in in distinction from who God is as the righteous one, but they, they are overcome by that which is ugly mm-hmm. because God mm-hmm. is the beautiful mm-hmm. one and they don't want anything to do with beauty. And so they, they call ugliness beauty as they call, um, call wickedness righteousness. Um, and, and I think one other thing that the, the book does – um, helpfully is that it, it one way in which the church has become susceptible to some of these LGBTQ issues is uh, through kind of the Trojan horse or the back door of egalitarianism. We mm-hmm. live in such an egalitarian society where we'll all day long recognize that men and women are different biologically. But as soon as you recognize that there is any sort of metaphysical distinction between man and woman, or that there should be any sort of social distinction between mm. men and women. Well, you're, you know, you're a patriarchist, you're a bigot, you're, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. Um, and, and what you do in the book, Luke, is you're not afraid to go there. You're not afraid to, sh- to talk about how there really are true distinctions between men and women that go beyond just the physical distinctions. And not only are they there, and not only are they good, but they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, you even think of, uh, you know, part of scripture like Ephesians 5, talking about husbands and wives, where clearly the role of husbands and wives reflect different aspects of God. You have uh, the husband acting, reflecting Christ in his headship with his sacrificial love, giving himself for his people, defending his people the way a husband ought to defend his wife and his family. And on the other side, you have the wife reflecting, I believe, both the submission of the church to Christ, but also the submission of Christ to the will of his father. Throughout Christ's life, he was uh, doing the father's will on that mission. And so you have these, you know, Within God, you have the reality of perfect authority and perfect submission. Find that reflected in the marriage relationship. And so that's just one aspect where, you know, men and women are not exactly the same and they don't glorify God in the exact same way. One of the things that that underlies so much of the confusion is this sense that, you know, a fairness and we've got to be sensitive to those that are unlike uh, others that everybody needs to get a trophy that all that kind of thing it is that egalitarian spirit and, and what's going on there when it comes to the male female relationship is that people are who argue for that they're using men as the measure of women mm-hmm. and they're saying you're not fully a woman or you're not fully being valued unless you can do and be and uh, be regarded in every way as a man can which is absolutely crazy I mean, the measure of a woman in femininity is not maleness. Mm-hmm. God made men and God made women. And again, your your book is very clear on this. There are different roles that go with those ontological realities and distinctions that exist in maleness and femaleness. And it's not something to be lamented. It's not something to be overcome. It is something to be respected and recognized and celebrated because this is the way God designed the world to work. 
And whenever mm-hmm. we get in harmony and uh, hitched up to the way God designed anything to work, you just, it works and you, you rejoice. I and mean, it's, it's like, in one sense, you know, if you, if you bought a brand new Cadillac and you, you get a, a Kia owner's manual and you try to operate the Cadillac by the Kia owner's manual, you're not going to put the right amount of oil in it. You're not going to service it the right way and it'll work a little bit, but it will not work the way it would work if you follow the manual of the person who actually produced it, who Mm -hmm. created it. And that's true in all of life. And it's certainly true in this most fundamental relationship of men and women. And I, Allie Beth Stuckey gives a glowing endorsement and recommendation of this book. Uh, I, other women have expressed appreciation for it. It's no slam to a woman to be told she's a woman, not a man. Mm. And God has beautiful designs for her in her womanhood. Have you, have you found that in your own church in the circles of, uh, your, uh, connections as women have come into contact with this book? Uh, yeah, I mean, so far from, you know, a few people have gotten their hands on it and have been able to read it already. And, you know, it has been that sort of response. And, you know, I haven't certainly haven't gotten any angry emails yet. So, you know, we'll <laughs> no, see we about take that. all those. And we don't send them to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I even discuss in the book uh, just the fact that when God created Adam and placed him in the garden, he gave Adam a task to do. And Adam went through naming the animals. And it wasn't until after he had gone through and studied all the animals that God had made that he saw that there was no helper fit mm-hmm. for him. And so God made woman, you know, he, he made woman after he showed the man that he couldn't live without her, that he needed her to fulfill the task. And so I think when you properly distinguish between men and women, the way that God would have us distinguish, then you truly see the deep value of women. I think any worldview that tries to divorce itself from God's created design not only is going to eventually end up in a place of ugliness and death, but also it's going to devalue women. And I think you see that even in the trans movement, we could you know, mm-hmm. think about the way of men competing in women's sports and men and women's, you know, private spaces where they're vulnerable. Uh, even with that, ultimately you get away from God's design and women end up, you know, being more oppressed by men than they ever were. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what's going on today. Uh, sports is a clear example of that, but it, it goes beyond uh, sports as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know how you can genuinely value women and bless the transgender movement. And, and there are feminists now that are coming out and contending against transgenderism on that very basis. They don't have any regard for God. They're not trying to argue from the Bible. They're just trying to protect their womanhood as they have seen themselves promoting it mm-hmm. for generations. And so I was reading the other day, I think they call it the fifth wave of uh, the <laughs> feminist movement, you know, and, and the, the contra trans. And it's in one sense, it gives me hope because nature wins out. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, you can deny the law of gravity. You can say, you know what, I'm identifying as an anti-gravitationalist. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you got to treat me as somebody who's not limited by gravity and I'm going to live my life that way. You got to treat me that way. And I'm going to climb this building and step off of it. And, you know, guess what? It's God's world. Mm-hmm. It's God's world. And so you will not do well if you keep banging your head against the reality 
that the God of reality has established. Nature, nature's mm-hmm. God. Yeah, that's exactly right. Even the deists understood mm-hmm. that at the beginning of this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and when you when you deny um, the differences between men and women, and you try to use men as the measure of what women should be, what you do in Christian circles, we rob our churches and our homes um, in our society of the value and the beauty of women. And it's like, we're going into battle with one hand tied behind our backs. All we got mm-hmm. is masculinity. And we, we don't, we don't have the, the wonderful creation of femininity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just like you say, Luke, you, you devalue women and you then begin to mistreat women. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah. it's a dangerous place to be as a society. Well, right. and go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, even as, um, you know, you were mentioning ultimately, yeah, nature, the way that God created the world is going to win out. God will not be mocked. But in the meantime, and I think this is what the church really needs to understand in this hour, is that people are being truly, truly damaged by this ideology. And uh, I think that, you know, as the church, we can't be trying to retreat from this and hunker down and say, well, we'll let this blow over because it can't last long. People are destroying their lives permanently. And, you know, on the one side, you know, we need to be there to try to warn people from going down this rabbit hole and try to provide them with a better vision of reality from the biblical worldview and also ready to meet those who have, you know, destroyed their bodies in many ways with the gospel, the full orb gospel, including the resurrection and the glorification of our bodies, that hope that goes along with that. Even if you've gone down the transgender rabbit hole and you have, you know, mutilated yourself, you have a lot of these detransitioners coming out. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of fertile soil there for the gospel because we actually have a message Mm -hmm. of restoration for people and of true identity in Christ for people who are so desperate to find an identity. Yeah. Amen. There will be many, an increasing number of, of transgender refugees who will be looking mm-hmm. for some type of help. And uh, we who know Christ have the gospel of the church. We are responsible to provide that help. And so we need to be prepared. Our churches need to be prepared. This book will certainly help equip you in that task. We strongly encourage you to get it. It's perfect for small group Bible studies as well. So I encourage you maybe to get uh, several copies and gather some friends in your living room and just study through it and keep the Bible open before you and let Luke kind of guide you through what the Bible says on this. Also, I want to say one more thing. Uh, If you have been impacted by, influenced by all of those who in recent years have been decrying conversations about biblical manhood and womanhood and recovering from biblical manhood and womanhood, uh, you need this book. Mm. You need this because there are folks that have aimed their sights on the very teaching that we've been talking about that Luke puts in this book who would undermine the confidence that we should have in what the Bible actually says about God making them male and female in his own image. So, Luke, thank you so much, man, for writing this book. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, We look forward to seeing you, God willing, back down here uh, for the next conference when it gets really cold up there in Pittsburgh. Just remember what's going on down here, Southwest Florida. We'd love to have you uh, back down. 
get this book still available for until April the 4th for 1498 you can get it at a discounted price encourage you to do that and uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast would you mind sharing it or liking it just spreading it around that helps us to get the word out and we want to especially give a word of thanks to our Founders Alliance members and the Founders Alliance churches that support us financially every month in order to, to enable us to do the things that we're able to do here at Founders Ministries if we can support you in any way and encourage you, help you in any way, please reach out to us. It'd be our joy to try. So thanks again for listening to The Sword and Trial.